Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A competitive spirit is part of what drives professional athletes. They strive not only to be better than their competitors, but better than the athlete that they once were. However, there are some out there who will do whatever it takes to win, no matter the cost. This is the story of figure skating legend Nancy Kerrigan. She was assaulted for her skills in the figure skating world. The attack on her was meant to take her out of the competition for good and raise someone else to the top instead. This is her story. My name's Ben. And I'm Nicole, and you're listening to Wicked and Grim. A true crime podcast. Warning. The following podcast contains graphic content and material intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. So our first ever podcast video is officially up on YouTube. We got it done. We did it. Finally. (laughs) It took a little while to get everything figured out, but it's done. It's up. This one's being recorded and being thrown up on YouTube too. A little bit of a round of applause and a pat on our back because I'm proud of ourselves for that. Third time was charm, wasn't it? It It was. Just took three times. That's not terrible. Not bad at all, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but it's up there. Uh, We got it done. So we're going to continue posting these in video format. If you want to check it out, YouTube link down below. We have two YouTube channels for, for the record of log one and one that actually hosts the podcast. So they're both in the description. Very cool. Um, but we got a lot going on that we're going to talk about. We're going to get through this real quick so we can get onto the episode, which is Nancy Kerrigan, which is a very heavily researched one. Took a long time to get through. I can imagine. Um, it's, if you don't know this, it is a wild sports story. So we're going to get into that. But first we want to thank our Patreons. We do. Everyone who signed up on Patreon. Absolutely. Um, so this week we had John Wiseman, Chelsea Adler, and Amanda all sign up on Patreon. And they're getting the behind the scenes, the extra content, all that good stuff. All the all the things. All the all the things. Thank you so much. Thank honestly. You. That's awesome. Um, they're also getting a heads up on something that we just recorded prior oh, to yeah. this. That, you know, we it took us about five times. But we got it. We nailed it. We nailed we it. Nailed it. We're we're no voice actors by any means, <laughs> so it took us a bit. But we have a podcast trailer coming out, and finally, uh, after two hundred episodes, right? Well, nearly. <laughs> I think we're on episode. This is one seventy one or seven seventy two. I think. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, they got the heads up on the script and everything, and they're gonna hear the actual trailer before it's released live. So it's awesome. I think I think we did a good job. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about it. There's there's a little like seasoning in there that hints at like our name wicked yeah. and grim that i love it's real good yeah so i'm pretty <laughs> proud of ourselves for that one too so another round of applause for ourselves and patting back holy yeah. heck hey we deserve a treat or something <laughs> no kidding well i've, I've got a drink i don't Me know about too. you i just have water just water yeah well hydration is important it is you know the good old counting <sighs> calories right beers well actually i don't know how much calories is in a can of beer yeah they don't count Oh, okay. No. Okay. It has maybe, zero Maybe calorie. I should have one then. You should. <laughs> You're, I'm especially not going to be counting the calories when we are over at our friend Deadfall recording mm. our next true crime trivia day. Yeah, I will. I won't count calories that day. Either. No. So we're going to be hosting this true crime trivia day. Um, we're going to be uh, streaming live probably on Instagram or Patreon or something. We haven't figured out exactly yet, but we're going to be doing a live stream as well. And yeah, it's going to be yeah. a good time. This is our second time doing it. The first one was friggin' amazing. It, it was, was a blast. So fun. I don't understand how all these people are so smart with with true crime yeah. trivia. I mean, because honestly, if Ben and I were in attendance, 
we would not have like people wouldn't want us on their team. No, we would do so <laughs> bad. I think it's probably because we research so much that it's like the information we take in flushes out the information in our head. Yeah, but I've always sort of had an issue of retaining, retaining me things too. Because even like when I was in university, I would do a, a course, do the exam. And then it was gone. <laughs> Forget it. Like just gone. In one ear, out the other. Yeah. No, I feel you there. I'm, <laughs> I'm the same way. 100%. I usually retain the useless information. You the do. useless stuff. Yeah. Like what's Barbie's full name? Barbara Melenis Roberts. There you go. Yep. Yep. I've known that since I was like 12. <laughs> I just was like cruising the internet, looking up weird facts, learned that. And it's stuck with me since. Anytime you say anything in regards to you retain useless information, I ask you that same question. Yep. You do. <laughs> Anyways, you guys didn't come here to learn more about Barbie. You came here to listen to the story of Nancy Kerrigan. Mm -hmm. So should we dive into it? Let's do it. Okay. We're going to dive in. We're going to do a, our best attempt at a proverbial triple axle and tell you this story. Wow. How was that? I liked that. Yeah. I just pulled that off the top of my head. <laughs> really? So, okay. Yeah. I thought that was in your script. Definitely, Good work. definitely not. No. <laughs> okay. So Nancy was born in the quaint town of Stoneham, Massachusetts. Uh, she emerged as a figure skating sensation from her, her beginnings. Now she was the youngest of her siblings and was the sole daughter um, of Daniel and Brenda Kerrigan. Nancy's journey um, to the ice ring began when she was quite young. Now, her family had deeply rooted roots, if you will, mm. um, in a blue collar kind of valued t town family sort of thing. Just your, your standard good valued type people. Okay. Uh, they were a mix of English, Irish and a German heritage. So while her brothers pursued hockey, Nancy, though still donning the skates, instead found her passion gliding gracefully on the ice at the age of only six years old. Wow. Despite limited resources, her father, Daniel, epitomized sacrifice. He was often juggling multiple jobs to support Nancy's skating endeavors and, of course, her brother's hockey as well. Well, yeah, those are not cheap sports. No, especially hockey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he even volunteered as a Zamboni driver for Nancy's skating lessons at the local rink. My gosh, I love this. I right? love this family. They're just like a close-knit, blue-collar, good-valued family, like I said, right? Mm -hmm. And they're they're tight. They're, they're doing what they need to do, especially for their kids. So props to them, 100%. Now, under the guidance of her first coach, uh, Teresa Martin, Nancy's talent began to blossom. However, it was her transition to working with the renowned duo Evie and Mary Scottvold that, that marked her big turning point in her career. Okay. So once she kind of joined this, this duo as her coach, that's when she really began to propel herself in the kind of competitive world. So throughout her competitive journey, the Scottvolds remained pillars of support, helping nurture her figure skating potential and just really honing those skills. So I think they they saw something in her and they really helped her develop it. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like good coaches. Oh, definitely. Now, Nancy moved to a national competitive prominence, um, but it was a gradual move. Uh, soon, her prowess as a jumper would distinguish her from her competitors. So as she's kind of going to this national level, she began to get this ability to to jump higher and better than the competitors she was with. Man, I mean, uh, props to anyone that is good at figure skating. I oh, can't skate to save my soul. I can skate really good, but I cannot stop, which means I can't do much <laughs> else other than go. Oh That's about gosh. it. It's actually super dangerous. Oh, yeah, it is. I know. <laughs> Um, now, her senior debut signaled uh, the beginning of a steady climb up in the national rankings, culminating in a bronze medal in the 1989 Winter Universite. Nancy's race towards greatness continued. Its upward trend continued further and further as she clinched third place in the 1991 U.S. Figure Skating Championship. So the country, she clinched that third place prize. Look at her go. This achievement granted her Entry into the highly coveted 1991 World Figure Skating Championships, where she secured the bronze medal. Wow, that right? is super impressive. No kidding. So notably, her win contributed to a historic milestone as the United States actually claimed a clean sweep of the women's podium at the world's champion for the first time ever. Oh, I bet they were proud of that. Yeah. So her and her teammates were all standing side by side on that podium. Very cool. 
1992 season saw Nancy's remarkable consistency and improvement as she once again surpassed her previous year's performance at the national championships, securing the runner-up position. Her stellar form extended onto the international stage where she claimed bronze medal in the 1992 Winter Olympics and followed it up with a silver at the 92 World Championships. So she's just getting better Mm -hmm. and better and better. She means business. The 1993 season marked a significant milestone in Nancy's career as she ascended to the top, claiming the title of United States Champion. Despite encouraging the inevitable highs and lows inherited with competitive sports, Nancy's unwavering determination and commitment to her craft continued to push her forward. Alongside her athletic pursuits, she delved into the realm of sponsorships, navigating the complexities and endorsement deals and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, right? Still, though, she pushed on and kept going through her journey. Nancy remained a force to be reckoned with in the figure skating world, which brings us to 1994. I just wanted to say too, to be, to have those kind of awards, I guess you could call them. Um, like you have to have pretty big dedication to it. Yeah. I mean, she would be eat, sleeping and breathing. Oh, definitely. Skating. I think the word you're looking for is accolades. Yes. Yes. Yeah. To yeah. have that sort of stuff. Yeah. Recognition, you know, like all that, like she was the best in the state. In oh yeah. The United States. She's, she's top tier. Yeah. And to be top tier like that, you have to work for it. Oh yeah. She certainly was. Yeah. You have to put a lot of energy and a lot of time into that. You, no doubt. Yeah. 100%. Now it was on January 6th though, in 1994, let's get back to this here, that Nancy Kerrigan was hard at work on the ice preparing for the U.S. figure skating championships which is being held in Detroit, Michigan. It was no secret that Nancy was good. With a competitive history, she was a top contender to win the competition. Each skater was doing their thing, warming up on the ice, you know, getting their practice routines in, but of course, also eyeing up the competition. Nancy had just finished up one of her practice sessions at the Cabo Arena and was leaving the ice rink when she was assaulted. The moment she stepped off the ice, it was even captured on a f- on camera by a film crew who was working with the competition. They followed Nancy when she stepped off the ice and until the moment she went behind a draping blue curtain over the rink exit towards the changing rooms. As Nancy walked away and heading down the hallway from the ice rink, the camera turned off. She was approached in that moment in the hallway by a man. In that instant, Nancy was attacked and the man took a metal baton and struck her right above the right knee the same leg Nancy used to land her signature jumping moves that she was so well known for. Nancy began screaming in pain as the man fled. Within seconds, people were swarming around Nancy and the camera was turned back onto her. She cried, asking repeatedly, why, 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 just why was she attacked? It was immediately clear this was a targeted assault. One that was meant to take Nancy out of the competition. Oh my gosh, hey. I remember when this went down. Yeah. I didn't realize that so much of it was documented. Oh, there's- I don't remember that part. Yeah. There was a camera crew following her- Right there. Right there. And the second the camera turned away, the assault happened. Oh my gosh. It would have been the last thing that she would have ever expected. Yeah. I mean, you're at a rink practicing. There's people, this is broad daylight. Well, yeah. I mean like ice rinks too are probably sort of feel like her safe place, you know, like her second home. Yeah. Huh. Brutal. Probably her first home really because she's spending so much time there. Actually probably. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. I can't imagine. Now the aftermath of the attack unfolded as captured by as I mentioned, a camera that was broadcast globally with Nancy screaming in pain and being carried away by her father, Daniel. Oh my, oh, her dad was there too? Her dad was there and carried her away. The injury forced her to withdraw from the U.S. championships, but her fellow skaters rallied behind her, unanimously agreeing that she deserved a spot on the Olympic team. So she wasn't able, she didn't make the qualifyings because like, She was injured, of course, Mm -hmm. but they still decided, you know, she deserves a spot to be on the Olympic team, even though she didn't make the qualifyings. Because she would have had to go in that championship in place in order to go? Correct. Okay. Yeah. 
So they were recognizing your talent, determination at the USFSA, which is the United States Figure Skating Association. And they made the decision to include her in the Olympic roster anyways. That's so they pretty held, impressive. So they held a spot for her regardless of her injury, regardless of her not placing. Right on. They okay, said, that seems a little bit surprising. Yeah. So good though. But I mean, still, she's injured. There's a lot of uncertainty looming over not only, only the question if she's going to be able to make the Olympics, but if she's ever even going to be able to skate again. That's true. So they're being pretty optimistic. They are. They're like, if you can make it, there's a spot for you. But still, can't, like, can you even skate? Who knows? Now, fortunately, medical assessment revealed that her leg miraculously remained unbroken. Instead, she sustained only severe bruising to the impacted area. Hmm. So she was struck right above the right knee on her thigh with a metal baton and it did not break her leg. She only was bruised. And because of this, like nature of her injury, Nancy was thankfully able to make a swift recovery and she right away plunged back into her rigorous training. Holy shit. That almost seems like a miracle. Right. Because I don't that I mean, I get I guess if the hit wasn't that hard, but you would think that <laughs> that would break something. I, it's got a good chance of it. Yeah. A slim chance. You're not walking away without a severe permanent injury. You have to wonder if they almost meant to hit the knee, because I feel like if you did that to the knee, for sure, you'd be out a while. Shattering something. If you did it right on the kneecap, you, yeah. you would be shattering that kneecap. No problem. So you almost wonder if it wasn't in a way a miracle and the per the attacker missed where they were supposed Maybe. to. Regardless, though, the investigation on the attack on Nancy Kerrigan was unfolding. It drew upon a few different resources, the initial um, focus centering on the gathering crucial evidence from security footage from the Cabo Arena, which was the site of the attack. Now, the footage captured the assailants hasty fleeing from the scene. Sorry, I think I said that kind of weird. Hastily, there we go, fleeing from the scene, which was, of course, a pivotal piece of evidence for investigators. Now, this, in tandem with this, the footage, eyewitness testimonies also were able to kind of start describing this individual. So they're like, okay, we've now got camera footage. We have eyewitness statements kind of talking about this individual, what he looked like, who he might have been, what he was doing, all those sort of things. Their account provided valuable descriptions of the attacker and critical insight into the nature of the incident. Additionally, a bunch of tips and information flooded in from various sources, shedding light on potential leads and avenues of inquiry. Among the leads that emerged, a finger began getting pointed towards a woman by the name of Tanya Harding. Now, Tanya Harding was a figure skating prodigy hailing from Portland, Oregon. Raised by her mother, she embarked on a journey in the sport at the age of only three years old when she enrolled in her first ice skating lesson. From there, Tanya's dedication and talent propelled her through the ranks, leading her to make significant sacrifices, including dropping out of high school to fully commit to the passion of ice skating. Whoa, that seems, I don't know. I don't know. That's too far, I think. I, I, I get it. It's I difficult get it. to speak on that. Yeah. As, as a parent, I'm not sure if, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I can't say, but if I were in those shoes, I'm not sure if I could allow my child to drop out of high school to do that. But, but at, the, then, at the same sense, it's like they are so promising for this. I, I don't know. It's a very difficult situation. If, Education is important, though. If it's going to get them closer to like achieving their dreams, it is. It's a tough. It's tough. it's a tough situation. Now, her ascent, though, in the U.S. Fig, uh, U.S. Figure Skating Champions Championships was from 1986 and 1989, which marked the beginning of her rise. She won the 1989 Skate American Competition. And in 1991, she clinched the U.S. championship title and secured silver medal at the World Championships. Notably, Tanya even became the first American woman and only the second woman worldwide after Midori Ito to successfully execute a triple axel in competition. Mm. However, Tanya was a clear, direct competitor when it came to Nancy Kerrigan, which now that she was a suspect, only fueled speculation into the attack on Nancy. Was a targeted effort specifically put out to eliminate her from the competition to make it a clear path for her to win easier? 
That became the prominent question. Mm-hmm. To even have to think that way is kind of disgusting. Hey? Oh, I know. But I mean, the evidence is there. Well, not necessarily evidence per se yet to say, um, but that's kind of what it's looking like. That's what mm-hmm. people are starting to whisper and talk about. Yeah, well, it makes sense. So Tanya found herself at the center of scrutiny with all this finger pointing. With suspicions mounting about her involvement, and on January 18th of 1994, Tanya Harding found herself in a hot seat when she faced questioning from the district attorney and FBI accompanied by her legal counsel. The interrogation stretched over the length of 10 grueling hours, delving into intricate details of the case. In a pivotal moment during the marathon of the interview, as interrogation progressed, Tanya's story took a dramatic turn. At this point, of course, she's maintaining her innocence and denying any sort of involvement. The tide shifted when she was confronted by an FBI agent who accused her of lying. In a startling revelation captured by an FBI transcript, uh, Tanya conceded, admitting her knowledge that her husband or ex-husband, Jeff Gillooly, um, and his involvement in expressing the remorse for her actions. So to quote her, quote, I hope everyone understands I'm telling on someone I really care about. I know now Jeff is involved. I'm sorry. Okay. And so she just decided to drop that bomb after 10 hours? Correct. So (laughs) she dropped the bomb that she knows her husband was involved. So now what's kind of coming out of this is that she knew after the fact of the attack that her husband had something to do with it. And it would be on January 19th that Jeff would surrender to the FBI. In the midst of the amounting scrutiny, Tanya faced immense media, um, media coverage, sorry, including a probing interview with Diane Sawyer on prime time, where she continued to maintain her innocence. However, as the investigation deepened, Jeff's testimony began to implicate Tanya, raising suspicions about her alleged involvement in the attack plot. Well, I feel like it would more so be her idea. And she's just completely throwing her husband or whatever under the bus, eh? Ex-husband. So why would an ex-husband give a shit, you know? Like, I feel like. Well, technically, they're ex-husband, but they're like kind of still husband and wife. She looks at him still as like her oh, husband. Okay. They they still have a relationship, but they're technically divorced. It's a weird thing. I mean, you want your spouse to succeed, right? But like, would you have come up with this idea on your own? Yeah, who knows? I I have trouble believing that. Well, lucky enough, I did the research and we're going to talk all about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we're going to to keep on track here. So I'm not going to divulge everything right away. We're going to keep going through the story um, linear in a linear fashion. So in an attempt to mitigate the damage on her own reputation, Tanya held a press conference to issue a prepared statement, expressing her regret for the attack on Nancy, emphasizing her respect for her fellow skater, and stated that she had no foreknowledge of the plot of the plot to attack her, but admitted to her failure to report crucial information promptly. In this statement, she cited legal nuances, emphasizing that withholding criminal knowledge alone does not constitute a crime under many state laws. So she's like, technically, I didn't do anything illegal by not coming forward right away, even though I knew who did it after she was attacked, but I didn't know beforehand. Hmm. That's, that's that's not a crime? In many state laws. That's what okay. she said. Interesting. So in, I'm sure in some states it was. Maybe it is more and more so now, but at the yeah. time, it was not necessarily in many states. A lot of people, though, didn't believe Tanya. They're like, okay, sure. She says this, but is that true? But regardless of all the controversy, as a, as one must say, the show must go on, right? Well, yeah. I mean, she's really covering her bases here. Yeah. So regardless of what was occurring, investigation and everything, skating continued. The ladies' single skating event of the 1994 Winter Olympics held at the Harmer Olympic Amphitheater in Norway, and it came seven weeks after the attack. 
Despite the challenges and the distractions, Nancy skated what she deemed to be the pinnacle of her career, delivering flawless performances in both the short program and free skate. Again, seven weeks after she was attacked. Badass of the day. No kidding. That's freaking incredible. So she had her leg bashed in with a metal baton and just skated the best performance ever at the Olympics. Well, yeah, because she would have to heal from that. Which would also make it so that she didn't have quite as much practice in, right? Yep. So it's quite incredible. Oh, you're telling me. (laughs) Wow. I almost want to, like, I probably watched that. I don't really remember. We were pretty young then. But I'd like to go back and watch that again. We should. We should. Yeah. So her remarkable displays on the ice earned her the silver medal. However, the event was not without controversy. Tanya Harding encountered difficulties with her equipment, specifically the laces on her skate, and was granted a re-skate by the judges. However, regardless, Tanya finished in eighth place. Now, despite everything that's going on, Nancy emerged from the short program competition, so the short skate competition, in first place, hoping that she would clinch the gold. But the coveted gold slipped from her grasp of another competitor from Ukraine named Okasana Bale seized victory and closed the contested and controversial five to four decision during the free skate. So Nancy made away with silver. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, despite the bitter disappointment from falling short of the gold, her silver medal triumph serves quite as a testament to her resilience, obviously. Uh, But with the Olympics now being complete, the investigation ultimately led to the identification of several individuals involved in the planning, because as the Olympics were being carried on, so was the investigation, and they found out a lot more information. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So the individuals who planned it and carried out the attack were including Tanya Harding's ex-husband, Jeff Gillooly, her bodyguard, Sean Eckhart, and other associates, Derek Smith and Shane Stant. So on January 13th, Sean and Derek were arrested, arrested. And the following day on January 14th, the United States Figure Skating Association made a public statement on whether the arrest affected Tanya Harding's Olympic placement. They said this about it, quote, we will deal only with the facts. So Jeff, Tanya Harding's former husband, provided crucial testimony to the FBI regarding the attack ploy plot sorry, on January 26, 1994, divulging a detailed account of the events leading up to the infamous, now infamous, incident. So according to Jeff, this is all in his testimony on how this played out. The plan was made in early December of 1993. Following Tanya's disappointment at the 1993 NHK trophy competition. She was upset over her placement in the competition and reached out to Jeff who emphasized with her frustration. Subsequently, Jeff confided in his friend, Sean Eckhart about the intricacies of figure skating and the politics and everything, right? Sean mentioned the idea in this conversation, kind of a passing mention. What if we just threaten her competition? Like what if we threaten Nancy Kerrigan? you know, her main competitor Mm -hmm. in order to hopefully get her to be too fearful of her own safety to compete, which would lead Tanya to free to compete and win. Jeff liked the idea and the thought, but the psychological impact on someone threatening skaters could actually have an impact on Tanya's performance as well. So despite the initial reservations, Jeff mentioned it to Tanya. So like potentially like, Hey, what if we did this? Would that affect you? Would you be okay with it? What do you think? She liked the idea. Oh my gosh. Man, this is a conversation that shouldn't be happening. No. However, she expressed doubts that Sean would have the ability to execute the threats. In collaboration with his uncle, Derek Smith, Sean proposed a plan to instead actually injure Nancy while meeting with Jeff and Tanya to discuss details on the plan. However, negotiations hit a snag when Derek quoted the price of $4,500 to execute it. 
Later, after the meeting, Jeff attempted to cancel the deal, but was informed by Sean that Derek was already en route to Portland to execute the plan. He also needed further information about Nancy's whereabouts. Now, instead of insisting to cancel the plans like he originally said he wanted to, they moved forward with it. And on December 27th, Tanya reached out to her friend Vera Murano, a figure skating writer based in Pennsylvania, under the pretext of a, quote, bet she and Jeff supposedly had regarding Nancy, uh, Nancy's training whereabouts. So she's all like, hey, I'm just curious, where does Nancy train? You know, I got a bet with my husband on where that is. Okay, that does not, that's so obvious. Hey? Right, yeah. No, Vera contacted the United States Figure Skating Association to obtain the name of her training rink, leaving a message on Jeff's and Tonya's answering machine about it. Now, despite this message, reportedly it was difficult to discern and understand what she had said. So Tonya called her again, requesting her to correctly spell the name of the arena (laughs) while Jeff wrote it down, which was the Tony Kent arena. So during... Her testimony on January 22nd in 1994, Vera Morano uh, reiterated Tanya's question and the quote bet concerning Nancy Kerrigan and disclosed that that Tanya had also sought information about Nancy's potential property owned in Cape Cod. So she's not only asking where she practices, but where she lives. Mm-hmm. Now, in Tanya's 2008 authorized biography, quote the Tanya tapes, um, which was based on records, recorded interviews, Tanya denied ever soliciting information from Vera regarding Nancy's training rink. She even suggested that Vera may have misremembered details and was, quote, was a little bit out there. Someone wouldn't just make that up, though. I know. She also said, quote, I really didn't do anything wrong except ask questions to win a bet. It's just that this sounds bad. I think the bet was for a quarter or something like that. Big deal. Hmm. So first she's saying that there was no bet. And then she's saying that there is a bet. Yeah. So what the fuck? I mean, her ex-husband could have potentially did this bet and she still might not have known. He was just making up this, this bet, Mm, but there's potential there. Yeah. I'm playing like mega devil's advocate here. Well, just just say that is the fact. Remember that piece, okay? That her husband made up this bet for that piece to get that piece of information, mm-hmm. okay? If we can remember, we'll come back to that at the end of the podcast. Okay. There's a piece of information that we could attach to that. Okay. Okay. So on December 27th, Derek and his nephew, Shane Stant, arrived in Portland and made their way to Sean's house, where they requested a meeting with Jeff for the following day. The next day, December 28th, after Tanya completed her training at 10.30 a.m., Jeff drove them to Sean's home for the scheduled meeting. During the meeting, Jeff was introduced to Derek Smith and Shane Stant. Sean proposed various violent methods of incapacitating Nancy, including cutting her Achilles tendon or running her off the road in an accident, a car accident. Gosh. But Jeff went for a less severe approach, focusing solely on disabling Nancy's right leg, her landing leg. This decision allegedly was corroborated with Tanya's, with Tanya beforehand. Allegedly. Remember, this is still all Jeff's testimony. This is just so fucked because at some point, like I get maybe one or two conversations. I, I mean, it's so wrong, but at one point you think you'd be like, okay, this is just like too fucked. Like we can't do this. This is. There's one thing with being like, oh, I wish I could just take out my competition. Yeah. <laughs> like a passing comment to yeah. your inner circle. Which is still not great, but. Yeah. But, and then it's like, okay, this is becoming a recurring theme. This is a little too real. Like, no, this isn't actually happening. Is it? Like traveling somewhere and all the logistics, like this is too far. Yeah. So following this initial meeting, Jeff outlined additional requirements for the execution of the plan, including acquiring another photo of Nancy and her skating schedule. So whoever's attacking her could know what she looks like and where she will be. Recognizing Tanya's familiarity with ice skating terminology, Jeff delegated the task to her, prompting her to contact Tony Kent Arena to obtain her, quote, patch and freestyle times and the arena's address. 
Additionally, they obtained two photos of Nancy from the World Team Handbook and Olympian magazine, with Tanya instructing Jeff to make sure that they remove the magazine's mailing label to conceal their home address. That evening, Jeff and Tanya visited Sean's residence with the photos, practice times, and $2,700 in cash. As January 1994 approached, Jeff and Tanya began growing increasingly frustrated by the so far failure of the plan because it is yet to be executed. Determined to salvage the scheme, Tanya arranged a late night skate session on January 1st, 1994 with Jeff proposing an increased payment if Nancy could still be incapacitated before the national competition because it's coming up. Mm -hmm. As a result, the attack finally went underway at Cabo Arena in Detroit five days later on January 6th, 1994. So we're finally at the actual, like, she's skating at the arena, just like we started at this. She's skating, doing her thing, stepping off the ice. And we're going to talk about exactly how the attack went down. Okay. So Shane Eckhart, in a 2018 interview, provided chilling details on how he executed the assault on Nancy Kerrigan. He described how he positioned himself approximately, quote, a foot and a half behind the camera crew, patiently waiting for them to cease filming before making his move. Oh my goodness, of course. So as Nancy passed through the curtains, unaware of the imminent danger, the camera turned away and he made his move. And that was the moment, the time. That was the time. The second the camera turned away, he passed by them, followed through that blue curtain, down the hallway, caught up to her, and yeah. Hmm. So he approached her from behind with his telescopic baton and used it to strike the lower right thigh before swiftly fleeing the, th the scene. To facilitate his escape, Sean smashed through a locked glass door to exit the arena. Outside, Derek Smith awaited in a car, ready to act as the getaway driver, which enabled him to evade capture from the fleeing or capture from the scene mm -hmm. immediately after. So Shane, Sean, and Derek all corroborate much of this testimony. Of course, there's a little bit of varying accounts and points of view in between, but the consensus between them all was Tanya was involved and she knew about the plan before it occurred. Well, it sure kind of seems like it. It, I mean, none of the, it makes sense that she would be involved. Yeah. Sto this story makes sense that, there's no way I don't think that she wouldn't have been. Well, put it this way. I, I'm pretty sure she probably would have been at least somewhere in the vicinity of this training center. And I'm pretty sure she would have recognized Sean. Hey, Sean, what are you doing here? Or Derek, you're out here in the parking lot. What are you doing here? Mm -hmm. You know? So just saying. Yeah. So on February 1st, 1994, Jeff's attorney managed a plea deal where Jeff agreed to provide testimony implicating all parties involved in the attack. So, hence the testimony we just heard, right? Subsequently, in July, Jeff received, received a two-year prison sentence after publicly expressing remorse to Nancy Kerrigan, although he did admit that his, his apology would be very empty and didn't hold any, any fucking weight to it. Oh, gosh. Right? What why, a grease ball. Why even bother? Right. Now, additionally, Jeff and Sean pleaded guilty to racketeering charges, while Shane Stant and Derek Smith pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit second-degree assault. On March 16th, 1994, this is the moment you're waiting for, Tanya Harding pleaded guilty to conspiracy to hinder prosecution, which is a Class C felony. Accompanied by her lawyer, Robert Weaver, Tanya also entered a plea agreement to ensure she would not face further prosecution. In return, she should provide testimony for her knowledge after the fact. <laughs> so she pleaded guilty though. She pled guilty to um, hindering prosecution, sorry, conspiracy to hinder prosecution. Oh, okay. okay. So, so basically after the fact thing. withholding information after the fact. Yeah. Okay. And now she's entering a plea agreement oh. where she provides information after the fact. Yeah. Everything is after the fact here. Yeah. Now, as part of her sentencing where she did plead guilty to conspiracy, uh, Tanya received three-year probation, a $100,000 fine, and was mandated to perform 500 hours of community service. She also agreed to reimburse 
Mullnet County $10,000 in legal fees, undergo a psychiatric evaluation, and contribute $50,000 to the Special, Special Olympics Oregon charity. Had she not agreed to the plea deal, Oregon sentencing guidelines stipulated a maximum penalty of five years imprisonment. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, though I feel like she got off pretty easy there. Yeah, I mean, she had to pay some hefty fines, but yeah, yeah but she served just, like no time, 500 hours. Money. Yeah. And I mean, with her sponsorship deals and stuff, I'm pretty sure that's like pennies for her. Possibly, yep. Now, furthermore, Tanya's plea bargain resulted in her resignation from the U.S. Figure Skating Association, necessitating a withdrawal from the 1994 World Championships for which she was scheduled to depart on March 17th. See, that's the biggest of punishment. She has to let go of her dream. Yeah. So to sum up everything here for you, because I know things kind of got a bit confusing. It's quite a messy story, especially with all the names back and forth and the he said, she says, and all that sort of stuff. To break it down for you, the assault on Nancy Kerrigan was orchestrated by Jeff Gillooly, the ex-husband of Tanya Harding, Mm -hmm. along with his accomplice, Sean Eckerd. They enlisted the service of Shane Stant and his uncle, Derek Smith, to execute the attack. Both Jeff and Sean alleged Tanya's involvement in the planning and premeditation of the assault. Initially, Tanya denied any association with the attack, but eventually she entered the plea agreement conceding her involvement to concealing the attack after it occurred. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. It does. Yep. There is a bit of a follow-up to this, though. Okay. What is it? On March 21st, 1994, so it's only a few months yeah. later. The Portland Grand Jury issued a statement that shook the skating world. The culmination of over two months of relentless inquiry and testimony for the likes of Diane Rawlingson, which was uh, Tanya's choreographer, Erica Brockus, who was a freelance figure skating writer, Vera Mano, and Sean Eckert, um, sorry, Sean Eckert's college instructor and classmate, my bad. Uh, the indictment accused Tanya to fraudulently use United States figure skating monies to pay for the attack. (gasps) It also said that Tanya, Jeff, Sean, Derek, and Shane, quote, knowingly caused physical injury by means of a dangerous weapon. The grand jury claimed evidence that showed Tanya Harding was, quote, involved from the very beginning or very close. However, Due to her previous plea deal, she could no longer be charged. I knew that was going to come back to haunt us. I knew it. That's fucked. That is. I think new evidence should consult a new trial. Actually, yeah, for sure. There is a silver lining here. So she withdrew from the one competition, right? Mm Mm-hmm. On June 29th, the United States Figure Skating Association disciplinary panel met over the course of nine hours within the span of two days, evaluating her role in the attack on Nancy Kerrigan. On June 30th, Chairman William Hibble stated, quote, By a preponderance of evidence, the panel did conclude that she had prior knowledge and was involved prior to the incident. This is based on civil standards, not criminal standards. Bank records, phone records, the way they came together to establish the case. The panel decided that the FBI reports, court documents, and the plea deal that she entered, quote, were a clear disregard for fairness, good sportsmanship, and ethical behavior. As a result, Tanya Harding was stripped from her 1994 U.S. championship title and banned for life from participating in any United States Figure Skating Association events, either as a skater or a coach. Oh, right there just shows you, hey? Yep. She, I feel like, played her cards really well. Yep. To get out off, like, oh, this is, it's frustrating to listen to this. Oh, it really is. Yeah. I do want to end this on one final note. In 2018, Tanya shared a bit more about the attack. She mentioned knowing beforehand about Jeff and Sean talking about, quote, taking out one of her competitors in late 1993. She stated she objected, saying she wanted to win fairly and questioned them about their conversation. This is a straight admittance directly from her, Mm -hmm. not evidence showing. It's an admittance 
that she had prior knowledge of the assault mm-hmm. at the very least. That she's a liar. Now let's go back to when you talked about that bet. She had prior knowledge. Now her husband is saying, hey, what's what's the address? I bet you you can't remember it. Shit. Yeah. You think a red flag would pop up there? No kidding. Because that she knows, like, this is one of my biggest competitors. She, rem, she You don't forget a conversation like that. Right. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I mean, I feel like she got off so easy here. But then also the whole band from doing something that she was obviously so passionate and loved so much would be like. A slap in the face. Yeah. Oh, like definitely. almost, you know. As bad as going to prison, probably, because like she has to figure out. Well, no, 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 I take that back. <laughs> Not almost as bad, but like pretty shitty. You have, oh, it's you'd pretty have shitty to rethink sure. your whole life. I yeah. mean, but she, she dropped it. out of high school. She has no education oh, because of figure skating. Right. Shit. So now she can't figure skate. Now what? But that also being said, I mean, no matter, she did enter some other sports later on in her life. Like I think she went into boxing in, in, like the previous 10 years or something like that, but endorsements and sponsorships, I bet you anything. And I did read that they were very hard to come by for her for anything she was doing. Cause no one wanted to work with her on anything. Well, yeah. And didn't she write a book though? Oh, I, I she had a book that was written by another author, uh, based on records and pre-approved by her. Okay. But so, I mean, there she, might be other she's books. She's probably though. not like super struggling for money though. Oh, I don't think she is. No. Yeah. She probably had, couple million in the bank when this all happened. And if she was smart, she's probably just sitting there laughing on a beach right now somewhere anyways. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Huh. Now as for Nancy though, after the Olympics, she participated in several competitions ongoing. Okay. Um, also um, in other competitions like ice wars, but mainly concentrated on performing in various ice shows. These included champions on ice, Broadway on ice, and an ice show version of the musical Footloose, among others. I think she actually even was on Dancing with the Stars. Cool. In 2003, she would take on the role of a national spokesman, spokeswoman for fighting for sight, which, uh, and continuing to be an all-around, I mean, badass woman. Well, no kidding. Yeah. So yeah. she continued being an athlete, regardless of the situation, regardless of what sort of avenue she went in whether it was a olympic athlete or these other like ice wars and all these other things broadway on ice for example Mm -hmm. she's both an olympic competitor and a broadway star are you fucking kidding me yeah badass i mean she's obviously amazing yeah no kidding so she is doing very well um and i did also watch an interview where uh she never actually really received an apology from from tanya Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that doesn't even really surprise me, to be honest. Yeah. So that's the story of Nancy Kerrigan and the Olympic assault. I don't even know what I'm going to title this yet because <laughs> how do you put all this into a title? No kidding. I don't even know. I would just maybe title it her name. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it'll just be, you know what? I'm going to say Nancy Kerrigan, Olympic competitor olympic athlete yeah something olympian i mean that's what she is she's i mean she competed seven weeks after holy which is incredible i feel like figure skating used to be a lot more popular i i feel like or maybe i don't know i just feel like or this event maybe made it more known well, I mean, this is all pre-social media too, right? So it was like when the Olympics were happening, it was like everyone was watching, I feel like. Yeah. I know growing up, like my mom was quite into watching the Olympics. Figure skating was one of those things. Uh, she was a big fan of Elvis Stoiko. I remember back in the day. <laughs> and I remember seeing some, he was retired by the time I remember, but I do remember Kurt Browning and his backflips. Oh, geez. Well, like, the, yeah, there was just like some really incredible I get athletes. Yeah. No, the figure skating was an extremely competitive uh, division and I'm sure it still is today. It's just not as like prominent in, in mainstream media. I don't know. Maybe, but I mean, also I think there was a lot of drama back then. Yeah. Like Like an assault on someone that made it very much so more in the foreground. Right. Yeah. But, uh, it's without a doubt that Tanya was involved prior to mm-hmm. there is evidence of it there's there's things like phone records that were found and pulled there's, there's receipts and it. stuff she she admitted it 
And she did not serve the time because of her fucking plea deal. That oh, I, I honestly feel if new evidence comes out, a new trial should be warranted. Yeah. No, I agree. Because, yeah, when she got that plea deal, she was probably just like dancing away. Yeah. Just like, yes. And I do know that like I've heard in other cases, I've, I've researched this before, where they've gone into a, another trial, a new trial, and they can't reuse evidence from the first one. Right. They have to have new evidence. Mm-hmm. So I... I would think that new evidence should warrant that. Yeah. Like if you're in jail for a crime that you didn't commit and you get evidence, you get a retrial. So if you're out of jail and there's new evidence that you did, it's the exact opposite. There should be a retrial. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that makes sense, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, gosh, what she like assaulting, being part of an assault like that is, you should be paying some time. Yeah. She's skeezy. Skeezy as fuck. Oh, I was like, ski easy. What do you mean? <laughs> no, not, not ski easy. I was like, is she skiing now? No, is she good no, at skiing? She's not a skier. She's skeezy. Skeezy, yeah. She's slimy. Yeah, no kidding. She's Ugh. a douche canoe. Yeah. Yeah. She is someone you wouldn't want to, you know, stay a little bit away from. Especially if she's holding a baton or her someone she knows is holding a baton. Or if someone she, or if someone she knows is doing better than her. Yes. Right? Yes. That's the real thing. Don't compete with Tanya Harding. She'll take you out at the knees. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, this one's been on my list for a while. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. It's uh it's a story and a half. This you can go you can go down a very big rabbit hole with this story. Oh yeah. It was a difficult one to research because all the little nuances that, like I said, the he said, she said, and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, we mostly just went over um, Jeff's testimony. There are other testimonies, but Jeff's is the most prominent one that really spills the the evidence. He's the one that went through the plea deal. So the others basically just corroborated his story, but there is still some other information to go through. And the later evidence as well that they kind of came through that said, hey, she actually did have prior knowledge. Things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, I mean, this story is terrible. It could have been a lot more terrible if Nancy wasn't so freaking amazing. Right? Yeah. God, she's a badass. No kidding. Yeah. Big time. Well, we hopefully, hope you hopefully, hopefully, we hopefully, is what I said, but I was trying to say, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to find any of our socials, any of our links, watch this on a video form where my hands Ooh. are flashing back and forth with the camera and I'm still drinking my beer because it's hard to do a podcast and drink at the is same time. Is it cold still? It's still cold. Oh, okay. Um, but the link for the YouTube video is in the description of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. All the all the links are below. You know, all of them are down there. You need to know. Everything about us, website, Patreon, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, it's all there. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't actually said this for a while. We would actually like to request, if you guys like the show, we would appreciate a rating. Go ahead and give us a rating, whatever you feel is appropriate and honest. Forget all that. Just give us a five star. It really helps the <laughs> I show. I know. I was like, whoa, you're being really nice. <laughs> it does really help. It does help boost the show. So we really yeah. appreciate everyone who has rated us. And if you're going to go ahead and give us one, thank you so much. And mm-hmm. thank you for being here to the very end while we're still rambling. Yeah. Yeah. That's our thing. That's our thing. But anyway, good job. Thank you. And until next time. Stay wicked. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.